Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is a podcast where we speak to scintillating and tantalising people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. Now today's guest is an absolutely amazing guest. She's come all the way from America to be on this podcast. She has a fantastic story. She's been on the UFC where she's beat up UFC fighters. She's been acting. She's a TikTok star. And she's a comedian who is making comedians laugh across America and also across the pond in the UK. You guys are going to absolutely love her. Her name is Lauren Compton. Thank you. What a lovely intro. (laughs) I love that. I need to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. How did I sound? Did I sound a bit like one of those movie guys when they're introducing a film? Yeah, yeah, you did. You sounded, um, I, I feel like you should put that on your demo reel, maybe. Oh, I should, I should. I'll say Marvin, the deep voice, um, yeah. voice feel guy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> thank you for coming up on the podcast. I mean, we, we, we met at um, one of the gigs I used to run in Kingston a while ago, and you brought with your assistant, uh, Annie, and it would be yep. so cool if you brought your dog as well. <laughs> I know. I wanted to bring her because I was there for like a month. Um, but I'm doing comedy at night. I just, I don't know. I felt bad just leaving my dog there all by herself. So I let her stay with my mom. My mom loves my dog. Would you ever bring bring your dog on stage and do a stand-up set with it? No. No, I am enough to control on that stage. I don't need to control her too. Uh, but I'm sure you have a lot of funny moments on it. I'm sure that I would. I'm sure that I would. And she's very entertaining as well. She can do some party tricks. She knows how to sit, stay, roll over. She's great. What's What are some interesting, funny moments that she's had? Because I, I remember a while ago, it's a very famous British talk show program. A bit like the Late Late Show here. Yeah. Um, it was called Friday Night with Jonathan Ross, and he brought his little dog on stage. And this little dog saw itself on the big TV screen and started barking at it because it thought it was another dog. <laughs> What's been a moment you've had like that with your dog? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I think the one of the funniest things she does is she's super submissive. So if she's sitting on the ground and she's looking at you and you walk up to her, she'll roll over on her back and she'll just put her paws in the air so that you can scratch her belly. And it's really cute. And she does that all the time. She's like such a little simp. (laughs) Does she, does she help, help? um, Could you use her as like, if you find anyone that you think's a bit dodgy, just bring the dog with you and she can be the detector of it. I don't think anybody would be scared of my teacup Yorkie. Um, she only weighs five pounds and she has like four teeth. So I think the most she would do is lick someone to death. She's also like not aggressive at all. She loves people. Um, so no, I don't think that she is a good guard dog whatsoever she barks when someone knocks on the door and that's about as far as it goes she's a good alarm system <laughs> i would love it if dogs had the ability to detect detect bs you know we got dogs sniffing different things but get a dog to sniff bs yeah that'd be great like mm. or when someone's lying to you like a little lie detector they just like bark and i'm like oh you you have quite a sort of a wide range of different things. Like you've been in the UFC, you've been in Playboy, you're a comedian, you've been an actress, and you've got an OnlyFans, and you're a big TikTok star. Like you've done, <laughs> you've got so many things that you sort of that have a lot of stories in between them. And like, like how were you always the funny person, or what what sort of led you into being a entertainer in a way? Um, I, it started out with my childhood, I guess I was an elite gymnast growing up. So I was homeschooled and, um, I was training for college and then I hurt my knee. I blew my knee out. I tore all the ligaments in my left leg three times. And then I moved to California to, uh, study theater 
And then I did two years of theater training, got an agent, and then started doing some commercial work. At that same time, I started working with Playboy as well. I was recruited by them. And then um, from Playboy, I worked for them for like four years. And then I moved into mainstream acting for like 10 years. And then uh, I was married for seven of those years. Actually, I was married for five, but I was with him for two years before that. So it was a seven year relationship. And then when that ended, I was devastated. I was like absolutely heartbroken. And I decided to get into stand up um, to kind of like vent about what I was going through. I guess it was a little marvelous Miss Maisel, if you will. Um, Yeah. And then from there, uh, I started doing OnlyFans like two years ago because all of my friends in Playboy started doing it. And um, it's better because Playboy exploits you and, you know, they don't pay you anything to model. It's more like about the exposure. And so I built a strong fan base from that and then basically started doing OnlyFans, which is way more polite than playboy you know playboy is like full full nudity and i don't do that on OnlyFans. um so it's been like a good source of income and it's also been really fun and yeah and then over the pandemic i got into tiktok and then um a couple of my videos went really viral so i got like a million and a half followers and then, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think I covered all of that. That's how I got into Playboy. That's how I got into acting and stand up and OnlyFans. <laughs> but with with that, I mean, you there's a lot of good things with what you have. But I mean, did you when you had the big sort of TikTok exposure, were you and the big social media front? Were you shocked by how how the reactions you got? Like, um. The only thing that really shocked me about the social media stuff was when I would just like refresh the page and then I'd have like another 5,000 followers and then I would refresh it and it'd be like another 5,000. Like like the, the rate at which I grew was incredibly fast because my, I mean, one of my videos got like 75 million views. So I had like hundreds of thousands of followers like every month so yeah but with the only fans and having a social media following you must have a lot of you have a great fan base you, you can effectively do what you want but on the other side of it you must get a lot of interesting and strange responses <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's different across platforms you know like um tiktok i i find that the community is really supportive and very pg uh, OnlyFans is a little bit more sexy. You know, people are contacting me to talk about my Playboy days and like what I'm interested in. And like, it's a place to chat. Um, yeah, I mean, every, every platform's kind of different. I get a little overwhelmed sometimes because there's so much to keep track of. You know, it's like shooting a TikTok or shooting something for Instagram or shooting something for OnlyFans or or acting or writing for stand-up. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like juggling or mm. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So I have to schedule myself. I have a lot of time management. Um, basically, it's kind of like calendar and then you know, I have time slots of like when I do each thing so that I can get it all done. Otherwise, I just lay in bed and smoke weed and watch a movie all day. <laughs> so, so if 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 you if you didn't plan, and how how regimented are you? Like an army general, like you every week it's or you. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, when you're your own boss, no one's telling you what to do. You know, so to keep yourself up on top of things that you care about, you have to manage that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really like being your own boss is great, but you also have to like tell yourself what to do, you know? And, and I mean, I have off days where like, I just say, fuck it. And I don't do anything, but for the most part, I mean, if I want to keep growing, um, 
I got to keep working and it's a lot. It's really, really, really exhausting. I try to go to sleep really early. Like last night, I think I was in bed before 10 PM. And, um, I woke up this morning at six and then I like to get my workouts in, in the morning. And then like today, like I was telling you, I shot a TikTok for a company and then I'm doing a podcast with you. I have another interview after this. And then tonight I got to write. I've got like, I've got a ton of stuff I got to do today. And then I'm shooting all the way until next week. Oof. <laughs> how, how, do you do this sort of similar to the Disney approach? Because they say Walt Disney, what he used to do is he would do his, don't they say you've got two parts of the brain, one's for more creative stuff, one's for more like admin based stuff. And like he would work on, he wouldn't work on the admin stuff or the, there wasn't any admin, but all the creative stuff at the same time, but he would spend hours on one thing and then he would switch to another. Do you do a similar sort of thing there? Yeah. Where... Yeah. Um, unless I'm like, I, I try to pick two things to do a day. So it's either like write and work on OnlyFans or shoot a TikTok and write. Or, you know, I, I, I can only really a lot like two jobs a day, but yeah, I basically split my days in half. And then some days like this, where I, where I like come on podcasts and I talk and stuff like this is the second part. So the beginning part of my day to day, I did a TikTok, and then the rest of my part today, I have interviews. So that's, yeah, kind of like military, I guess a little bit. And how do you sort of detox in a way? How do you how do you sort of like like relax my time? Like, do do you also find that the times where you take off are sometimes the moments where you figure things out for all the things you're working on? Yeah, and I also like um, it's hard sometimes to totally relax because I still have so much stuff to do. But I do know that like taking care of yourself is really important. And one thing that I do for myself every day, which I mean, I guess everything I do is for myself, but like on a personal level where it has no like monetary value is my workouts. So like eating really healthy and working out is really important to me. It also helps me sleep better at night. It makes me feel like I did something good for my body. Um, but if I'm like really taking like a, a break or a detox, like I'll go on holiday and I won't do anything unless I, unless I want to, unless it's just like something for fun, but yeah. But I really love just laying in bed and watching a movie, to be honest, that night, that's my favorite thing to do. I always fall asleep to a film. Was, was your trip in London, your detox? <laughs> no, actually I, my trip in London was more work because I came out there to do stand-up. I was doing stand-up almost every other night. Oh, every night, okay. So, so I did like a bunch of shows and I was like hustling really hard and yeah. So I wouldn't say that that was a detox, but it was a nice change of environment. Was it, was, so was it like an Indiana Jones adventure? Totally. Where you're like, right, I've got some stuff here, but I want to get some more. I've got a bit of gold and sapphire, but now it's time to get a bit more diamonds on top of that. Yeah, well, I wanted to come out there also to just kind of explore and meet new people. You know, like I, um, I work really hard and I work from home a lot. So I really wanted to get out and just kind of see something different. Okay. When you mention what you do, what what are some of the what are some of the silly responses you get or silly questions, and what are, what are things that people wouldn't expect to know about you? If if oh, if, if, if I was to have a chat with you now, like what what are things that are surprising? Like, are you a ballerina? Are you a heavyweight boxer? I don't know. I mean, that's man. I don't know. Um... Something unexpected about me. It's a great question. Um, I think when people look at me from the outside, they see like a picture perfect life, um, mainly because I'm heavily on social media. So, you know, I try to be 
real and raw and share things that I'm going through, but I've, um, had a lot of been through a lot of really, really, really difficult situations. I know everyone has, but like, you know, I've been through quite a bit. Um, I lost my dad to cancer. I've lost a lot of my family to cancer A house. I was living in burned down the last boyfriend that I had died, uh, in his sleep while we were together. Um, I don't think that people, my husband that I was with cheated on me and that's why I got divorced. I mean, I've been like really through the ringer, you know, I've really experienced a lot of fucked up things. So I don't think that people would expect me to have gone through as much as I've gone through in my life so far. I think that's probably the most unexpected thing. Because you, and you, and has it taken a while for you to sort of hide hide it like in terms of this what am i saying here let me think about how i say this um because i need to think about that um like like has it taken me a while to recover from that like deal with it yeah, how, like when you when you first had all these struggles, I mean, obviously, was you weren't able to sort of. Now you handle it very well, and it's you're sort of able to get on your thing. But when you first had these things, how was it for you? Fuck, sucked. It was terrible. Um, you know, um, like the things that have happened to me have been life changing you know, it's not like just like little tiny hiccups here and there. Like they're things that like actually change my life. Um, but that's why I like to do stand up so much. So I talk a lot about those things that go on in my life. Um, first I have to like reflect on them and like heal from them and be able to talk about them honestly and openly and be able to like write good jokes. Um, but yeah, takes a while. I think it, it it's taken me like a while to process things. My marriage, my divorce took me two years to like fully recover and like not, not feel so affected. So, I mean, that was like two years of my life. Um, that was probably the longest thing I've had to like recover from. There's, there's a really silly quote that a lot of people say when they have bad things or people have done bad things to them they say oh oh you know what they may have done this or that I'll, if i saw them in the street i'll say hello to them i'll be friendly with them you know when, whenever someone's done something dodgy to me a lot of the times you know i don't waste time thinking about them or trying to get back away from that crap but if i yeah. saw them on the street i'll walk on the other side of the road i'm not gonna be like there's there's, there's limits there i don't waste time on people but or be yeah. nasty or anything but i'm not cool with certain things that they do of course, of course, I'm, I'm not that aggressive either. Um, I mean, if someone does something to me personally, like at the time I'll speak up and I'll say something, but other than that, I'm very good at forgiving and I let things go and I try not to linger on them too much, but that's more for myself so that I can get past it. Cause I have other things to do than focus on things that upset me. Do, do you, I saw this thing that's been repeated a couple of times. So I saw um, there's a chan YouTube channel called Charisma and Command. And then um, Liam Payne, one of the One Direction guys, what they do is if someone's hurt them, they write a letter from that person as an apology to yeah. them. Oh, that's weird. But it's, 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 I've seen it work quite a lot with a lot of people. They've, they've done that, pretend to be that person, and they feel like it's a closure. So they write the letter pretending like they're the other person to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That would never work for me. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would never happen. Like I, I need apologies from the person. Like there's no, I'm not going to pretend like I'm you and like, I'm pretending like, because I'm too, I'm too realistic. <laughs> too realistic. Like I know, I know that that person's not actually sorry. And that apology did not come from them. Um, I think, I think that that would actually trigger me and just upset me all over <laughs> again. 
But on the on the on the plus side with that and with all the things you've been in, how have they shaped you? Because I mean, I, I've worked in some terrible jobs. I've worked in bars. I've worked in coffee. <laughs> I've worked in admin, a bit web development. There's there's little things that I've taken from each one that have shaped me today. And I'm sure that with all the jobs you've done and and even the bad things that have happened, they have helped you grow to mm -hmm. be the person you are now. Oh, of course. I mean, everything that I've been through has shaped me. And, and it's, it's, it's strange too, how, like, when we go through some of the hardest times, it unfolds some of the best times to come, you know, and every time that you think something is the end of the world, it never is. Like, there's always something good that comes from something bad. So some of the ideas I have is like, when you were in the like work in the UFC, I don't know, maybe you learned a couple of punching combinations. When, when, when you were in um, Playboy, you, you learned to deal with a few few jerks that are higher up. In acting, you learn how to deal with very demanding directors. In TikTok and OnlyFans, you learn to deal with a lot of weirdos on social media, but also know how to build a great fan base and advertise yourself. It sounds like you know me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying, I'm what, what? No, yeah, no. You're you're totally right. I mean, um, my takeaway from some of the stuff like gymnastics taught me how to be really focused and determined, and like taught me how to, you know, keep moving forward and progress. And then Playboy really taught me how to um, be comfortable in my skin because I really wasn't when I started, like I, I did, I had no idea that I was going to work for them. Um, so I actually like got out of my shell a little bit and I don't know, I, I felt really, really free with that company and they were also really, really good to me. So I had a great time working with them. And then with acting, um, I learned how to dig deep inside myself and find truth. People always say like, oh, actors, like, you know, they lie for a living, but it's not true. Like actors actually have to be like really, really honest and find how they relate to a character and then pull from that. And then with stand up, I feel like I found my voice um, and I get to use my brain a bunch for that. And then with OnlyFans, um, I find that that's like a really good way to connect with my audience. Um, and I enjoy that too. Yeah. Hmm. What, what, what sort of, with early fans, how does it work? Do they say, how's your day, Lauren? What you've been doing today? How do you, how do you connect with you? How do you try and everyone's connect with your fans? Kind of, everyone's kind of different. I mean, some people are really on there to just talk and chat and, and say stuff like that. Like, hey, how are you today? What are you up to? I love the video that you posted last week or whatever. Um, other people are like, hey, I have a foot fetish. Can I see the soles of your feet? <laughs> you know? And so it like that really... Uh, it really varies on like the kind of person that's that's chatting with me but i'm there for it i'm always like i always have fun diving into those messages i'm like let's see what's going on with these people today and you you get must get an assortment of a lot of unique people like i had some a last guest I had on a podcast he says when he was a bar manager you get every type of person in there i'm guessing with such a big social media following you get every type of person you could probably imagine following you on there. yeah I always think it's fun when I get followers from foreign countries like I had someone on from Switzerland yesterday that was like I'm from Switzerland I'm such a big fan are you gonna do comedy out here and then like I get that from a lot of different places in the world um so it's it's really cool to see that there's like people from all around the world like reaching out to me and I'm just like this is wild like it's crazy that all these people from different places, you know, are, we're aware of each other without ever even meeting, like just through social media, being able to connect. I think that's really crazy. It's cool. And what's funny, if this was 200 years ago, they would take bloody two weeks with a letter to have any engagement with them. I know. And then it's also like, how do you ever meet someone? You know, like you didn't have airplanes. Like, you know, you, you take a boat. <laughs> 
you get on a boat and you go on a boat and or a train or something. I mean, it's crazy how, how much access we have to the entire world. I think probably in those times, the only way they would communicate far is through meditation. They would yeah. go in their head and like, right, I'm closing my eyes. Oh, Bob, I can see how you're doing today. Oh my God. That's, that's wild. But one of the, one of the things as well, and this is, can I, can I have a, ask a prime question, Lauren? Sure. Um, what is the different types of BS you get in those types of things? <laughs> which, which types? So with all those different areas I've mentioned, like in OnlyFans, uh, uh -huh. being a comic, being in acting, being in like Playboy, what is the type of BS you get from people? Because you are quite an attractive lady. You get a lot of guys saying all sorts of bullshit stories to try and impress you. But what is, and when you work in those sort of industries, there's a lot of crap in there. And sure. without going to confidentiality, what is the typical type of crap or bullshit that you often get in those for someone that well, does nothing like <laughs> god it's so funny you know it's all the industries so it like really depends on like what the industry is um like with acting i feel like i'm really respected you know like uh i've really built that up and i've been on some fun tv shows and i've been in some films and stuff and so like um i have a strong resume there so when i go out for work like I feel like it's, it's very respectful. Like people are like, you know, treating me like a professional, uh, with only fans. It's like the complete opposite. It's, it, you know, it's, uh, it's like this sexy database where it's more about the person talking to me than it is about me. You know, like everyone likes to talk about themselves. So it's more of a psychology thing where I feel like, people are reaching out to me because they want to be seen. They want me, they want my attention. So that's like attention that I give other people. Um, with stand-up, like the bullshit that I've like encountered really is just being a female comic. But I feel like all female comics feel that way. Um, you know, especially like getting on stage, like I always get this like, oh, you're gonna make me laugh. Let's see it like kind of thing. But I always enjoy that too. Like I like the double standard because I'm like, I am going to make you laugh. And I, and I'm excited to like show you, uh, what I've been working on. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I guess that's kind of like the different angles. And then on social media, um, I like to make people laugh. So that's like, I'm trying to think of like the bullshit that comes with it too. Um, I get a lot of haters. Like I get some people that like, they'll send me a message on, on Instagram and they'll be like, oh, your last video wasn't very funny. And it's like, well then fucking unfollow me. Why, why, why are you wasting your time telling me that you don't like a video, you know? Um, or they'll, I don't know, tell me just, just mean people. Like I get, a, I get quite quite a lot of like mean people. I had someone send me a message like, oh, I wish you would just die. And I'm what? like, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's a lot of really mean people out there. I mean, not not everyone, like truly like few and far between, but like every now and then, like I'll come across one of those like really mean messages and I'm just like, ouch, you didn't get hugged as a child. <laughs> Do, do you ever try and wind them up a bit so that they keep serving you by commenting and saying different things? Do you like to say, try and wind them up a bit and say, oh, you don't like my video? Don't worry. I've got 10 more down the road. Here it is. Keep commenting. I love you. You've got a nice smile. There. <laughs> do you say that? Um, not, not so much with social media. Um, I think... I, I try, I don't have the time to be honest. Like I don't have the time to really fuck with people uh, on the, on this, on the haters on social media. But if someone says something really mean or nasty or pisses me off, I'll take a screenshot of that message and then I'll respond to it in a story and I'll blast it out with their username and everything like, and the mean message that they said. And then I'll usually like fire back a strong one-liner um 
and then post it publicly for everyone to see so that they get shamed. Um, but the only time that I really give any attention to that is in stand-up. Like if I have a heckler or someone like I was doing, I was doing a show in Canada and um, I was telling a story about Playboy and this guy in the back of the room goes, slut. And I was like, sir, could you please call your wife after the show? (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes like that, like I'll, I'll kind of like fuck with people when it's live. But other than that, like, I don't have time. Lord, no one needs to know how we first met. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and now, now, now we're, you know, you're on the podcast. It's funny how things turn out. <laughs> I know. Who knew I'd come to London and end up here? <laughs> uh, now, what's it called? Can I ask it? Can I ask a cheeky question about UFC? Ask me anything you want. Okay. Now with the UFC, can I ask a cheap question? What was it like being like on the sidelines and being with all those fighters and like having people cheer around and like how how was that like? What was what was Dana White like, yo Lauren, we're friends, let's go out and smoke some weed? What what was it? (laughs) Well, it's kind of like cheerleaders and American football, you know, like the football team rides on the bus. And then the cheerleaders go separately and like, they really don't mix and mingle. Um, the UFC was very similar. Um, and I didn't work for the UFC for very long. They wanted to film a reality TV show. So they cast me to uh, be a UFC ring girl so that I could be on the show. And then the show ended up not getting picked up. And then I moved on from the UFC. So uh-huh. I didn't even, I didn't get to stay for very long, but the girls that were there, the other ring girls, there was four other ones. And I became friends with one of them. Um, but it was, you know, it's just like, it, it really wasn't all that magnificent. I mean, everything, you know, all the, all of this stuff on TV and it all looks so shiny, but like behind the scenes, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's just like any kind of job that you would have, you know, like you have to pay attention, you have to get along, you know, you can't, you have a boss, you have someone like you have things that you have to do. And so it was, it really wasn't that much about like cool party, like, oh yeah, I like you. Let's hang out. Like I really, I didn't meet any of the fighters. In fact, I was on, I went to visit a friend of mine that was shooting a movie in Montana back in October. And there was a UFC fighter that was on in the film. And I met him there. So it was, you know, the, the one UFC fighter that I'm like really good friends with. I didn't even meet in UFC. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And yeah. Did, okay. What, what would the, how would you, if you surmise the character and the psychological evaluation of like what you can count in the UFC and like in sort of Playboy, how would they differ? How are the people? Were they all sort of similar? Playboy was a whole nother animal. Playboy is unlike anything I've ever worked with. So they're they're like completely different. And and the company has changed so much now. I mean, I did Playboy 10 years ago, maybe, maybe even more than that. Maybe no, no, it was it was about 10 years ago. Um, but Playboy was more just like fun. You know, they're like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to go to Argentina? Do you want to be on the cover of the magazine? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? So it was all these like offers. And then I would pick and choose like what I would want to do. And everybody was like very, very nice. Um, you, you mentioned in one of the previous podcasts that they actually have quite a few tests. So is, is it, you said something like they have to do a logical test, a physical test. It's, it's, it's quite a few things you said that they do, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that was a joke. That was it. That was the setup for a joke. No, um, the Playboy, you only have like a test photo shoot. You go in and you do you do a photo shoot and they see how you photograph. And then if they like you, they call you back. Huh. Is, so is it a bit like a camaraderie of all the girls and there's like, like Hugh Hefner come in and he says, what? <laughs> No, Hugh Hefner uh, would only meet the girls that were testing. So like 
if uh, you did a test shoot and they liked the way you looked, then you had to go to the Playboy Mansion for like a movie night and you got to meet Hugh Hefner, but it was more so that he could see you in person and then he would give the editor approval. Okay. Yeah. It was very cut and dry. So he was quite distant in a way, unless you're really close with him. Yes. Yeah. He didn't really give a fly. He met so many girls every single day. I mean, he was, he, I think he was desensitized from, from females at that point, unless you were like his girlfriend, he really didn't give a shit. He's, did you ever go to the grotto? No, I, I can't ask that question. <laughs> I saw it. I mean, it's not that gross. Like everyone's like, oh, it's so gross. But I mean, yeah, it's a mansion. Like they have pool cleaners and stuff. But like, I never really spent a lot of time at the Playboy Mansion. I would go to the parties. I'd go to the Halloween party and, you know, whatever fun events they were throwing. But like, other than that, I mean, the house was very unimpressive. Like I've been to much nicer houses. Um, oh, uh, the house wasn't that great. I wasn't um, that impressed. However, his backyard was quite quite grand. He had spider monkeys and peacocks and like a whole farm out there, and that was really fun. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Was he trying to have like special dinner or something? Is that why? I don't know. Maybe like a petting zoo, little <laughs> little Neverland. He would have been great friends with Michael Jackson. I mean, they're both colorful characters. Very colorful. <laughs> mm. yeah. So when you um, when you got into stand up, you said it was because of all your a lot of hard hitting things happened, and that sort of pushed you into it. And I think that's a common trope with a lot of stand ups, isn't it? In a way, I think so. Yeah. And what was? How did you get into your first like stage? How did it all start? And like, what what was what was the journey like? Um, you know, I really don't remember how I found this class, but I found a workshop. It was like a stand up comedy workshop. Um, I don't remember how I came across it. I don't remember if it was like a friend told me about it or what it was, but I ended up finding this stand-up comedy class where they ta taught you how to write jokes. Um, and I wanted to learn. I at least wanted to see what it was all about. And then it was a 10-week course and it was super, super intense. It was like two days a week, four hours a day. And then you had to do all this writing for homework in between. So it was like a full-time job. And then afterwards, you basically at the end of the 10 weeks build a five minute set. Like that's what the 10 weeks is all about. It's all about teaching you how to write the comedy. So at the end of the 10 weeks, you have a five minute set and then you go on at a club um, for a night and the whole class would do their five minute bit. And there was only like eight people in the class. So it wasn't like a big, big show or anything, but um, that really was my key into stand-up because I learned that was the stepping stone where I learned how to like write some jokes and then from there sort of just like do it on my own and then just make connections you know just go into comedy clubs be like hey I'm just starting out like I did a show at the Ha Ha Cafe and you know if you have ever ever have like a fun open mic that I can do let me know and that was like six years ago that I started all that did you go straight into the deep sea in terms of like LA and New York or did you start in one of the smaller cities? I, I lived in LA for 16 years. So I started in LA and I grew really quickly. Um, I make friends fast. So I made a lot of friends in the stand-up world. I also like the friends that I have when they started finding out that I wanted to do stand-up, they were like, oh, I know this person. He's a promoter at this club. He might can get you in. And then I'd get an introduction and I'd get to get in. So um, kind of like, you know, stand-up comedy is like word of mouth and like who you know and who you can get on with and stuff. Like you have to really get out there and meet people, you know, and show up. So uh, did I answer that question? <laughs> 
Yeah, you said how you started, and like, how, how, how was the, how did you find like your first few gigs, and when did you start feeling comfortable? What was the point where you're like, oh, I, I, I'm comfortable on stage now. I think I know what I'm doing here. This, this is, I'm, I'm the, the shit now. No, not the yeah. shit, but like you, you felt comfortable. Like I, I know what I'm doing here. I'm still, I'm still waiting for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all we, we, we all have we all we all it's 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 always a pyramid, isn't it, with comedy? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had <laughs> like a a a really amazing show, um, like back in September. I think it was one of the best shows that I ever had, and I was like, oh shit, like this was such a good show. And then the next night, I had a show, and I same material, completely bombed. It was horrible. And I was like, well, just when I thought I had the hang of it, you know, it's it's all just like an ebb and flow. It depends on who the audience is. It depends on the night. It depends how people are feeling like there's there's so many things that go into it. So I don't know. Like, I would say that I started understanding what to do. Like I started understanding stand up and stage presence and like, you know, my own personal routine probably like two years ago and then so it took me like four years of really like not knowing what the fuck I was doing and then probably like two years ago I was like all right I got the hang of it but that's probably to the extent that I would say is like I've got the hang of it like now I know what to do but I haven't like I haven't like figured anything out really like I've just gotten better Hmm. Did did you did you? So when you're, one thing I've noticed is, did you do you do a lot of? What's the thing I wanted to ask? What would you did you sort of, in some ways, um, go past the LA mic by doing a lot of? Because I've spoken to a few. No worries. <laughs> um. When you when you um, did the did you bypass the LA open mic because I saw a lot when I went over there it was all comedians it was very it's it's quite a quite a battleground out there. Well, I I never really did open mics. Um, I was advised from the people that helped me write comedy not to do open mics because they can be very discouraging. Um, you know, cause comics go to open mics and I don't, and the show that I went to that you held where it was all the comedians, I really, really enjoyed that because the comics were supportive of other comics. And I did find that that was different in the UK than it was in America. I think that the comics are so much more supportive of each other in the UK in America, it's like a competition. And it's almost kind of like if you're a comic, another comic doesn't like you because they want to intimidate you and be better than you. And so um, with the stand-up scene in LA, I, I never really did open mics because the comics there don't laugh. Even if you have something really funny, you know, they're not there for you. They're there for them. They're waiting for their time. So they're not even really listening. And so then at that point, it's like, well, then what am I doing here? Like, if I'm not, I don't, I don't know if my material is working or not. Like y'all aren't laughing at anything. And it's not because my material sucks. It's because, because you guys don't care. Um, so I started trying to do small showcases. So I sort of skipped over the open mic thing. And I went more to showcases and I have found that that has made me stronger also because when you fail, you don't fail in front of a handful of comics, you fail in front of a venue and then you're like, Oh, so it really gives you something to think about, (laughs) you know, you're like, well, that was a bad night. (laughs) Let's let's, let's rebuild and let's go again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You just never give up. You keep going. With um, do, so do you gig a lot around the country now, like in Austin, um, New York, and LA? Do you just go around the country now, or are you more just LA based? Well, I live in Austin, so I do stand up in Austin more than anywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm friends with 
people in New York. So I perform at the Gotham Comedy Club um, at the end, uh, like, I guess the beginning of March, I have a show at a theater here in Austin. At the end of April, I'm doing a festival, um, a comedy festival in New Jersey. Um, I'll be in LA at the end of this month and I'll do a show there. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely bop around and I do shows all over the place. Now, with stand-up as a whole, what would you say it's given you? And what... What advice would you give to a stand-up looking to start now during COVID times? Um, I think the stand-up has given me more of a, 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 a more positive outlook on life um, because constantly when things happen to me that are really shitty, um, I know I write them, I write it down and, um, I really reflect on it. And then a joke will come to me about it. And I've, I've become more positive thinking because I'm always trying to think, how can I turn this bad thing into something fun? You know, how can I make light of a dark situation? So I'm constantly training my brain to think that way. So I think that that's my best takeaway from stand-up and then I get to share it with people you know and then hearing people laugh at stuff like that is always so uplifting and then um what was the other part of that question oh the advice to the uh, to stand-up comedians um don't do open mics uh try try to um get into small showcases even if there's five people you know, like even if there's just like a small group of people, like I would not just perform for other comics. I think that that's very discouraging. Um, I would also say don't let the bombing deter you. You know, you never want to like quit just because you had a bad set. Like the next set could be really, really great. So you just kind of have to keep pushing forward. But it's like that with anything. It's like that with anything that you want to do. Like you just can't quit. Okay. Now I only got three more questions. Okay. Um, so the first question is, what's the weirdest thing you've you've what's the weirdest thing you've experienced in stand up? Um, who are comics you admire for their skill and their creativity and originality, and you look up to as mentors? And how do people find out about you? Um, what was the first question? <laughs> what was the weird talking to a stoner i cannot remember this stuff <laughs> okay what was the first question uh what was the weirdest and funniest thing you've seen ha happen on stage probably that guy that called me a slut <laughs> that was like that was one of the most like uh shocking things like someone just like you know calling me a slut from the other side of the room I was like whoa follow me on OnlyFans why don't you um yeah um I don't know that's I, I don't know my weirdest takeaway um okay no worries um what's the what's the who who's a who are who's a comic or who are comics that you really admire and look up to not only for being funny but for being original because i see a lot of comics that are very similar but yeah but there's there's far fewer that are also original and hilarious yeah i really like big personalities on stage i don't have a big personality on stage i i like to um be more dry and subdued um but i really really love like big energy like cat williams um bill burr i like uh there's a there's a comic who won america's got talent or i think he got second his name is preacher lawson um i love him he's also a friend of mine um i think he has just an amazing personality um yeah, the bigger, the better. 
I like big, big personalities on stage. Probably because I can't do that. You know, like that's not who I am on stage. I think that's who I am in real life. But then on stage, I'm just different. I'm a little bit more methodical and, you know, I like to talk to people like one-on-one as opposed to like being this big thing, you know? Yeah. Are you saying you're like Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, I have two personalities for sure. Definitely. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde over here. But it is an extension of yourself when you're on stage. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's probably the realest version of me you can get. I think that when, when I'm not trying to be big and like entertain, cause I'm not, I'm not trying to entertain anyone on stage. I'm trying to talk to people on stage. I want people to hear what I have to say. And so that's probably like the only place where you can like really get to know me for like more of like my introvertedness <laughs> is probably that way. <laughs> so you're like an onion, not an onion. You're like a Russian doll and like you have different layers to yeah. you. Yeah, you have the best analogies. It's like a Russian doll. I like that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll write your blurb. How Thank you. <laughs> I love that, like a little Yelp review. Oh, there's, there's, yeah, I'll do that. I'll call Marvin's Reviews. I love it. Now, one last thing. How, how, if, how do people find out about you? You know, if you're from Switzerland, if you're from China, <laughs> if you're from Italy, if you're from Sweden. Yeah, so across all platforms, my handle is the same at I am Lauren Compton. And it's that on TikTok, Instagram, OnlyFans, everything. So... Pretty easy. All right, so guys, that's been Lauren Compton. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, share it with your friends. Give us a five-star review on Amazon or iTunes if you liked it. Uh, most importantly, subscribe on this journey. And if you didn't like it, tell absolutely no one. <laughs> Take care, everyone. I'll see you at the next episode.